Hi, my name's Bye. Hi, my name's Freya. And we love nature. This is our show, Hidden Worlds, where we learn about the worlds that are hidden from our view. Our forests and lakes, to deep space. Animals that live in our gardens. And the world of bacteria. Are you ready to explore Hidden Worlds, guys? Let's dive right in. Today we are learning all about the hidden worlds of bacteria. There's so much bacteria around us that we can't see. And we sit down to chat with Bridget Lucy to tell us all about this hidden world. And my name is Bridget Lucy. I'm basically I'm a medical microbiologist who has spent a lot of her time working in hospital laboratories um, trying to check whether people are suffering from infections or not. Are there good bacteria and bad bacteria? Oh, there are good bacteria as well as bad bacteria. And in fact, there are actually very, very few bad bacteria relative to the number of good bacteria that there are. So there are very few bad bacteria. Well, we expect to find germs all over the place, really. And most bacteria, most germs, are actually doing us a big favour. So in our own bodies, for example, we have a little army of bacteria that are fighting on our behalf. They help us to digest our food and they help us to have a healthy immune system. And in the environment, we have an awful lot of good bacteria whose job it is to break down all of our waste and to make, ultimately they will make soil from it, earth from it, that you can grow plants in. So imagine if we didn't have all of those bacteria, we wouldn't possibly maybe have any earth left and we would have so much waste around us that we wouldn't be able to survive. That's what bacteria do for us. How much bacteria do you say would be in someone's body? Well, um, there are an awful lot of bacteria. There are so many billions and trillions of bacteria that it's very hard to actually know how many there are. But a huge number. And... Even in your gut, in your, in your intestine alone, there are at least 300 different types of bacteria in there. Different types, imagine. What type bad bacteria is there? Oh, there are some quite bad bacteria. There are some bacteria that cause food poisoning, and one that's known about by most people, or a lot of people, is salmonella. Another one is campylobacter. But even these bacteria that are bad bacteria have to be present in a large enough number to be able to cause you to become ill. I think that the biggest thing to watch out for is that there are some risky situations where we need to get rid of bacteria. And one of those is where if we go to the bathroom and we don't wash our hands, we're at risk of passing on bad bacteria to somebody else who might become ill as a result. So when we go to the bathroom, we must wash our hands very carefully afterwards. That's one thing. A second thing is that when we have raw meat in the fridge, we really must cook it before we can uh, say that it's safe to eat. But we also must not let that raw meat come in contact with your sandwich, for example. Aside from that, there are bacteria everywhere around us. We can't possibly kill them all. And as I said, the vast majority of them are not doing us any harm. So if you have a small child who's maybe crawling around the floor and the soother falls on the floor of the kitchen, this is perfectly fine that the baby will pick up the soother and put it back in their mouth. This is normal behaviour for a, a baby. 
and it helps them to become tolerant of bacteria. The purpose of, I suppose, a baby crawling around the floor is to, in, is to have a look at their environment and to try to learn from it. But at the same time, while they're touching things and putting things into their mouth, their immune system is also being trained and is becoming you know, more effective. So that these are very important times in our lives so that our immune system has a chance to become as effective really and it will help us to fight infections throughout our whole lives. We made our way to meet with Annika who worked with the Junior Einstein Science Club teaching kids all about science through play. Hi, my name is Annika. I'm from Junior Einstein Science Club. We're at the moment at the Dumboyne Summer Camp. Runs five days from Monday to Friday, 9 to 2 o'clock. We have different science experiments and today we are going to learn about the like science of slime and basically also about bacteria and virus and how they spread. Okay, so we already prepared slime for all the kids. So if you look at it, you will see it reminds strongly about snot and sneeze. <laughs> so we pick up directly on that topic. Where does that come from? Why do we have slime in our bodies? When we are sick, we produce more slime. So there are teeny tiny organisms that enter our body and produce then if we get sick, kind of this, you know, version. So we have something visual for them to see what will be the effect and kind of explain a bit like how it looks like in a very, you know, child-friendly and simple manner, let's say. We're in the science camp and we are making slime. Mine is pink. I think you put glue in and I think, I don't know what the red stuff is, but I think it's food colouring. No, do you remember? It was washing detergent, it was borax. It's a laundry detergent. And they make a really cool slime when they're mixed together. Guys, can you just sit down for a tiny second so that I can explain you something now that we all have this lovely slime, especially the kids of you who have the green slime. What does it look like? It looks like snot. It looks like snot. Very good. Where do we have... Where, where in your bodies do you guys have slime? In your nose. Very good. And what happens if you have a sore throat? Yeah, when you cough, that's also kind of slime that's stuck to your throat. So guys, what makes us sick? Do you know? Slime makes us sick? Well, we shouldn't eat that. That's very right. And bacteria. <laughs> bacteria, very good. Do you know how big bacteria are? They're teeny, teeny, tiny. We need a microscope to see them. Like what, when you are sick and you have like flu or like a snipples, what, what happens? Yeah. Does the sneeze spread it? Yeah, when you sneeze, you're like tiny droplets spreading all over the room. Do you guys know how, where you should sneeze to not spread the bacteria that much? If you are sick and you have either flu or cough, just cover your mouth if you need to cough or if you need to sneeze. Do you have a question? Yes, tissues, very good. And what should you do directly afterwards with your tissue? Throw it in a bin, exactly. Because if you put it on the table or anywhere else, the bacteria will then be on the table, so that doesn't do any good. Also, washing your hands is very important. Virus and bacteria, they cling to doorknobs, to tables, everywhere. So you need to wash your hands very regularly. Because like, if you are like sick and you sneeze in your hand, for example, and you touch something, the virus will be there. 
and the next person can easily pick that up. So it's just about protecting yourself and also like your family and your siblings or your other kids in the class, right? Very good. That was so much fun. Next, we went to meet with Simon Meehan, who won the Young Science Competition for a really cool project about bacteria. Simon told us all about his project and how a simple idea can change everything. So, my name is Simon Meehan and I have won the Young Scientist for 2018. So, my project is based on, well, we know that we have bad bacteria in the world. What if we were to use things like plants, which are pretty much everywhere, if we could use something that's pretty much everywhere to kill a very common type of bacteria? And I won't give you the name because it's fairly long, but I used uh, I used ten different weeds, like I presume you've heard of the nettle or the blackberry and those kind of plants. Well, I've tested each of those against this bacteria, and these bacteria were killed by this plant. And this is this is the result that I was well that I was looking for, and this was fantastic for me because in some cases the bacteria are very difficult to kill. So if you find an effect or if you find a result, that can mean quite a lot for humanity in general. So that was my project in a nutshell, really. If you, let's say, go over to a forest on the other side of the world to look for a particular medicine, well, what we found is that it is right outside the back door. I mean, if you look outside, you're going to find a blackberry somewhere. So what this means is that, yes, in some ways, we seem to have come away from what we would have done in prehistoric times, in the Stone Age and things like that. We would have used things that were on our doorstep. And as you, as I was, as you just mentioned, we're going across to the other side of the world, and I don't see that what's the point of this if, let's say, we do find such a result at home. You know, there's only so much that we know so far, and that's only a tiny, tiny drop in the ocean of what we've yet to know. And, I mean, if you think about it, we're only starting to explore space now. I mean, well, we have been doing it for some years, but that's a tiny drop in the ocean. And it's a study of everything that we don't know about. And it's trying to cover as much information as possible. So what I'd say in general is don't be scared about what you see in a book, that everything can be understood. And it's just finding that key that can bring you forward to the next step is the main thing. Well, one of the main things that I learned from, the over, from my own point of view anyway is that the best idea doesn't have to be the most complicated one. It can be very simple, like testing a few plants against bacteria, and yet it still can go places. I mean, if you, if you let's say, want to invent something to, to move a bottle into a bin, for example, then go ahead and do that. Try it. Do whatever you want. It's the thought that's around it. It's thinking outside of the box and thinking, well, nobody has tried that yet. I'd like to see how to do it. And then you tell other people about that and see if they like it. It's about also not just working on your own, but also working with other people and getting others involved with your work as well. Because more heads are better than one. So I feel that it's very important to know that the best idea really doesn't have to be the most complicated one. It's the most thought out one, really.
Let's start with the This Is Our Granddad. He used to work in tropical medicine, so he knows a thing or two about bacteria or viruses. Hi, Granddad. We're doing a radio show about bacteria. Tell us about your old jobs. Hi, Lila. Hey, Freya. Do you know what parasites are? Parasites are kind of little insects that live in water. Mosquitoes have yeah. little baby parasite things. They lay their eggs in the water. But if you eat a wrong parasite, if a parasite gets into your body, it's not very good. That's very true. Well, excellent. That's really, really good. I'm very impressed. In fact, mentioning insects, the, the amazing thing is small, li- small size of an insect, a short life, and an enormous what they call in my job fecundity that means your the insect's ability to lay lots of eggs so for example one f- in malaria it's only the female insect that, that produces the eggs of course like females produce eggs in humans as well as in in insects so each mosquito each female mosquito produces up to 500 eggs each time and they might lay eggs about 10 times during a normal summer. So, I know you won't understand this, but the numbers of eggs one female, one single female insect could produce in a, in a normal summer could be billions, billions of eggs. Really? Like, How do they accomplish that? Well, for example, every as each life cycle goes from egg to egg, under good conditions, uh, like two weeks they could be 20 million eggs from from uh, the one insect over five generations so in fact somebody has has estimated that a number something like twice 10 to the 26 power it's unimaginable the number so the big thing about that is for one insect this shows you how difficult if one little small female insect can produce billions of eggs and each egg could be a mosquito each one could cause malaria. Well, then, if one of them could could produce that, imagine how difficult it is to wipe them out. So even if you wiped out, if there was 100 insects and you wiped out 99 of them, how many are left? One. Even if you leave one alive for a summer, that's enough to kill people, to produce malaria. <laughs> Thank you.